And I want to talk to you this morning about a way to be worry-free for the new year. Uh, I always wait till the first Sunday of the year. Do I talk about the new year on the last Sunday of the year, or do I wait till the first Sunday of the year and talk about the new year? Well, <laughs> I need a running start this morning. So... Uh, what I'm going to do is to try to prepare myself for January the 1st over the next few days if I can and use uh, this morning's message to just sort of uh, lead me in that direction. I, I kept coming back to this scripture. I was praying about two or three others and I said, uh, Lord, it's, it's in between seasons. I, I, I want to start a new series next Sunday morning, Lord willing, on the book of Daniel. So... Think about that, pray about that, Read. Uh, start reading the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. We'll be prepared next Sunday morning. But I kept coming back to Matthew chapter 6. And the more I prayed over this and thought about it, I said, you know what? I'm going to let everybody in church on December the 30th have a free pass. You know what that means? This doesn't apply to you. Okay, so don't, I don't want anybody to come out of, the, out of the service today and say, oh, you stepped on my toe. Nope, I, this is all for Bill Harden, okay? It's all for me. Now, you, you, you probably have never heard a preacher say that before, and I've never said that, but I'm making application of this in my own life. And, and here's why I'm sort of being a little transparent with you this morning. When I was a child, my mother used to say to me, stop being a worry wart. Well, I didn't really know what that meant until I got older and had children of our own and observed it in other children. I realized what a worry wart is. A worry wart is, a, is basically a child, I guess an adult could be that way too, who wants their way right then, right? I mean, your, your parents have told you, we're, we're going somewhere in a day or two. Well, is this the day we're going are we, are we about to go? Or do we need to get ready? And the worry ward is always asking questions leading up to that event. Stop being a worry ward. Throughout my entire adult life, I have been told, mainly by family, but by some very close friends, Bill, you think too much. If I'm making a decision about something, they will tell me, you're overthinking it. And I admit, I, I, I sort of analyze things. I like to weigh all my options. I've learned that is the case as a school administrator. I have a decision to make about a student. It takes me a little while. I have to think about, you know, the situation and the ramifications and consequences down the road. And everybody is involved in it. And it used to drive teachers crazy. Well, I understand that now. I get that. The older I get, the more I think about things that are out there related to my children and now grandchildren. And I'm wondering, what's it going to be like for them? Are they going to be prepared? Do they know that this is coming? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this constant bombardment of thoughts in my mind and in my head. And I, sometimes I find it difficult to shake them. You know what I'm saying? Now... I think we need to start this morning with a definition of worry. And if somebody ever tells you that you're being a worry wart, that's, that's a bad 
phrase to start with, but it's a bad connotation. You know why? You can't worry anybody else. You can only worry yourself. Our English word worry comes from the German word vergen, which means to strangle. And when you are worrying about something, you are strangling your mind from thinking clearly and from understanding rationally what needs to be done and how you need to respond to something. And I think it's important for us this morning to not split hairs, but to make sure we understand there is a difference between sinful worry and godly concern. Because you hear that a lot, right? You ask somebody, are you worried about something? No, I'm just, just concerned. What, are you just redefining worry? Because concern can be something totally different. You see, when you're sinfully worrying about something, worrying leads us to have anxiety. It leads us to fear something. Worry focuses only on the problem. Concern focuses on a solution. Worry can bring about negative consequences. Concern can bring about positive consequences. Worry causes us to fear what might happen, but godly concern can help us trust God for what He is able to make happen. See the difference? Now I want to show you something here in Matthew 6, beginning at verse 20, 25. Jesus is speaking. This is the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. There are three chapters here in Matthew's Gospel that contain the sermon, 5, 6, and 7. So we are smack dab right in the middle of the sermon here. And listen to what Jesus says. And by the way, if you ever want to study a perfect sermon, this is it. Because preachers need to study it. The, the transition here is beautiful. As Jesus moves from one topic and one thing to another and even brings the sermon to a close, very beautiful as he brings an invitation in the end. But listen to what he says here in verse 25. He says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, just to make the point here, I want to skip down to verse 31 where he says, Do not worry then. Look at verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow. I mean, the emphasis here is on do not worry. And if we define sin as doing something that Jesus said don't do, then when we worry, we're sinning, right? I mean, three times in this short passage he says, Do not worry, do not worry. Do not worry. Have you ever had a, uh, a virus on your computer? You ever had something to infect the, the system of your computer and cause it to go haywire? A, a computer technician will come in and install a program or a client or some different kind of software on there that will protect your computer from that kind of virus. It will correct the problem and then it will rewire it so that it doesn't happen again. Well, what I want to do this morning is I want to give you three 
patches, so to speak, that we need to download and install in our brain to keep us from worrying. And they're all mentioned here by Jesus in this passage. Are you ready for it? Here's patch number one. Now, don't just download it. You've got to install it in your mind. You've got to be willing to commit to it. Here's the first thing. Do not worry about the future. I mean, that's what Jesus seems to be saying here as he says to the people he's preaching to in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. It's out there in the future. Now, think about who they were and what their lifestyle may have been like. Today, we can go to the store. We can buy what we need to eat, drink. We can buy what we need to wear. It's relatively available to us. If you don't go to the store, heaven forbid, I mean, heaven to Betsy, you can order it online, right? So you just go online and pick out what you need or want, and you make the purchase, and it's delivered right to your front door. I mean, that, that option is available to us. It was not available to them in the first century. There were merchants who made a living putting vegetables together, food products, bread, even material that they could use to buy clothes or make clothes and whatever they needed at home. But these are basic necessities. Listen to me what I'm saying. I don't think most of us worry about are we going to have something to eat, are we going to have something to wear. I think we worry about what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear. And our worrying leads us down the road to other things. We worry about the government shutdown. We worry about the stock market. We worry about terrorist attacks. We worry about big event kinds of things that come into our brains when we turn on the news, when we read the newspaper, whatever it is, because we know that these things are very real and they have an effect on us. They have an effect on people that we know, that we love, that we care about. And so many of us are probably wondering, what is 2019 going to be like? Is it going to be any better than 2018 as far as the stock market, as far as terrorist attacks, as far as all these other things that we're really, truly worried about and concerned about? Do not worry about the future. Jesus seems to be saying that as he addresses the people to whom he's speaking. Why? Can we control the future? No. We know that the decisions that we make today will have consequences tomorrow and down the road. We get that. We understand that. But there are a lot of things out there that are beyond our control. Eventually and ultimately, I think if we followed this line of thinking down to its last little saying, last little you know, fine-tuned uh, footnote, here's what it is. We're afraid of death. I mean, let's just jump right to It's probably because out there in the future we know that that is the inevitable, and a lot of people fear death itself. A lot of people say, I don't like to fly. Why don't you like to fly? Well, they're not afraid of flying. They're afraid of dying in flying and the sudden stop of the airplane, Right? The first 300 years of Christianity, Christians were persecuted for their faith. As a matter of fact, are you aware that during the first few hundred years of the Christian faith, Christians were called atheists? You know why they were called atheists? It's because they were not willing to bow down to Rome. 
You see, with Julius Caesar, there was an official Roman rule that every person had to take a little pinch of incense and throw it in the fire and to say, Caesar is Lord. Now, do you know what that was like? Usually they had big ceremonies where it was done and Caesar was on a pedestal there. He was enthroned. But they would also have these other pagan deities and, and, and replicas and trinkets and all around that represented the fake gods and goddesses that they also worshipped in that day. And so in the presence of all these other fake gods and goddesses, Rome wanted you to say that even in light of all these other gods and goddesses, Caesar is Lord. They actually kept a registry of it, just like they do for us when we pay our taxes, when we purchase property. And so you had to go every so often and be registered as a citizen who was loyal to Rome by saying, Caesar is Lord. And for 300 years, Christians said, we won't do it. Jesus is Lord. And we're not saying Caesar is Lord. And they, they killed him. There was actually a pastor by the name of Justin who later became known as Justin the Martyr because he made a famous speech before the Roman Senate when they accused him of being one who would not say Caesar is Lord. And on behalf of all Christians, you know what he said? You can't hurt us. You can only kill us. The reason we don't worry about the future, folks, is because our future is very bright. Our future is very hopeful. Our future is built into the fabric of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's already died on the cross, been raised from the dead. And as the Bible proclaims, he is the first fruits of all others who will follow in his steps in that way. For we know that our eternity is secure in him. In him. And our hope is in him. And as I said last Sunday, hope is having only positive expectations, right? So our future is in our brain so that we can protect. show you here, and it's a patch that we need to download and install in our brain so that we can protect ourselves from worry and worry-free is that we need to be mindful that we have a heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us and knows about our every need. Now look at what he says in verse 26. He said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And he, who of you by being worried can add a single hour to your life? And are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow and thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. We needn't worry because our heavenly Father is the provider of all of these things that we know that we need. Now compare that to what other religions te teach about God. Other religions talk about obedience and penance. But they talk about it in terms of 
rules and routines and procedures and only and if only you find favor of the God that you're trying to appease, maybe, just maybe, He will show favor to you. Now I want to make clear that I understand, that you understand where I'm coming from this morning. What Jesus is saying in this passage is for believers. It is for followers of Jesus Christ to His disciples. We are to live in a different way than the world lives. He talks about the Gentiles who seek things in other ways and they worry and their, their, their life view, their world view is skewed and it's out of balance. And he says, but you can live knowing that your heavenly father is going to take care of you. You see what Jesus is doing? He's reminding us of who God is and just how much he wants to take care of us. Now, if you follow that train of thought, you quickly go to Luke chapter 15 where Jesus told the stories and says, you know what your heavenly father is like? He's like a shepherd. We had a hundred sheep, one strayed away, and he left the 99 because he was so concerned about the one, and he went and found the one and brought him back safely to the fold. Do you feel a little strayed from your heavenly father this morning? He loves you. And he cares about you. And he's looking for you to come home. That may be him calling now. <laughs> so your heavenly father is like the shepherd who looks for the one sheep. Your heavenly father is like the woman who had a coin and lost the coin and she turned her house upside down, pulled out all the cushions and the sofa and looked behind the drapes and began to, you know, look for the Because the one coin, it was important. Jesus says your heavenly father is like that woman who looks for that one coin. Your heavenly father is like a man who had two sons and one wasted his inheritance. And then came home and asked for forgiveness and just asked to live like a slave. But his father said, no, you're my son. And through proper forgiveness, I will restore you into a right relationship with me. That's what our heavenly father is like. And Jesus is reminding them, your heavenly father, he, he clothes the, the flowers. He feeds the birds, the sparrows. He does that for them. He'll do it for you. Are you not infinitely more important than them? And then the third and last thing that I want to remind you is we have to keep our priorities in order. I love this last verse. Look at what it says in verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's a singular line of thought. A kingdom connection. Asking myself... Is what I'm thinking right now connected to my relationship with God? How is it connected to my relationship with God? And is it a part of benefiting His kingdom and strengthening what God's wanting to do in this world? If it's not, get rid of it. Let go of it. Don't be concerned about it. But if it is, ask God to show you how you can deal and handle with and respond to whatever it is that's on your mind. It's all about making sure that what you're doing and the decision you're making for 2019, this is, that you're focused on Him. That singular line of thought. Right now, our superintendent has us reading a book by Gary Keller. Gary Keller established a real estate company. 
And the title of the book is The One Thing. The One Thing. And all throughout the book, he, he's, he's destroying myths like you, you can multitask and do it well. Do you know that you can't do that? Nobody can multitask. Now, you can do different things that seem like at the same time, but the truth is you can only do one thing at a time. As a matter of fact, it is humanly impossible to focus on more than two images at a time. I could ask you to focus on the screen or focus on me. You can do one or the other, but you can't do both. You think you can because you can see the screen behind me, but truly being focused on one image at a time, that's the way God made us. Did you know there's only one time in the Bible where Jesus said to a person, you worry too much? Did you know that? And he didn't say it to Simon Peter. And he didn't say it to Thomas, who was the doubter, remember, we've dealt with him. In Luke chapter 10, he said it to Martha. Remember he was at home of Martha and Mary and Bethany? Lazarus also lived there, that was their brother. And Martha comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, Mary is sitting at your feet. I'm up here preparing the food and serving the guests. Would you please tell her to get up and help me? I need some help. Do you remember what he said to Mary, uh, to Martha? He said, Martha, you worry too much. There's only one thing that is needful, and Mary has chosen that one thing. What was the one thing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Listening to him teach. Strengthening her relationship with him. Wanting to make the most of the opportunity that she had at that given moment. 1991, the movie was City Slickers. You ever seen it? Billy Crystal starred in the movie. It was a story about three men from the city who went on a cattle run. It was sort of their way of getting out and unwinding and exposing themselves to a different way of life. Well, there's a guy who's also a part of the movie whose name is Curly, and he heads up the cattle run. And there's a scene in the movie where he and Billy Crystal are riding on horses side by side, and all of a sudden, as they're talking and he's just pontificating about life, he says to Billy Crystal, you, you city people, he said, you live your whole life all year long getting tied up in knots and think you can come out here for two or three days and it fixes everything. It doesn't fix everything. He said, as a matter of fact, life is only about one thing. Billy Crystal looks at him and said, what's that? And Curly says, that's what you have to figure out. For you. Curly and Jesus were saying the same thing. Life is really about one thing. One thing. Our relationship with him. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I'm going to tell you what. We could talk for weeks on end about kingdom and righteousness. Kingdom involves a king. Having a relationship with that king. Being in service to that king. Being obedient to that king. Communicating with that king. His righteousness allowing him to live life through you and through me and purifying us by His Spirit to be the people He wants us to be. Now, if we can do that, 
We can be worry-free in 2019. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything through prayer, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Stand with me this morning, please. Father, this morning we thank you so much for loving us, for being patient with us, for being merciful and forgiving. I pray that in the quietness of this moment, Lord, that we'll find a way to commit ourselves to you, to be the people that you want us to be. And Lord, that we would allow you to live the life that you desire to live through every single one of us, every day. Lord, I pray that we'll come back to these thoughts over the next few days and over the course of the year to realize that our future is in your hands, that we're in relationship with a loving Father who wants to take care of us. And that, Lord, we'll keep our priorities in line and in sight of wanting to please you in everything that we do. Father, if there's any person here this morning that is yet to make public a commitment to you. And by your spirit, they would feel the need, to, the urge to come and share with this church family. Pray that you'd let them come. If there are Christians here today looking for a church home, because your spirit would lead them, let them come. Let us receive them with open arms. Father, bless our homes as only you can. And give us the year of your favor. Through Jesus we pray.